Welcome back to the Unstoppable Freedom Podcast. I'm Jimmy Page. This episode is a continuation of last week, where we're talking about school safety with safety expert Brian Stutes. Here we go. Well, it's interesting you say that, because, and I, I, let's pivot to that a little bit, because I think this threat assessment is something that parents, no matter what their relationship is with the school board, they can demand a threat assessment, right? I mean, at a very minimum, we should have a full understanding about the vulnerability on our campuses. What, where are our areas of vulnerability and what are we going to do about it? Because once you do that threat assessment, and let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the components of a threat assessment, because you, you helped me develop something. We, we actually published it in the Christian Post. It was kind of a, it laid out the, the elements of a, a complete threat assessment that you could go to your school board and say, hey, we want you to conduct this and we want you to report back the findings. And then we want to have a comprehensive plan about what we're going to do. What are some of the things that, that you would consider in a comprehensive threat assessment for that school to keep kids safe? So let's, let's back up yep. two things to that. For one thing, they're going to have a hard time making it public because if you make it public, then you're, you're showing all of your exposures, right? So you may have issues with that, but you definitely can go in and request when was the last threat assessment done on each campus and who was it done by? You don't want it to be done by the local law enforcement. No offense, but they're the guys responding. They can't look at it objectively because they're there all the time and they're not going to see things that a third party like myself, APG, anybody else would see if we come in. Uh, some things that we look for immediately is obviously we're looking at external because, again, we're looking at creating time and distance. So yep. doors, front, side, rear doors, glass, what's construction material? Are they bullet resistant? Do they have uh, film on them? What's the access level? Are the doors hard locked? Are they hard locked at a certain time? Where are cameras at? How are cameras monitored? You can have the best cameras in the world. You can have 360, 720 coverage, but if you're not actually monitoring them 24-7, you have a problem there. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot to monitor. That's a whole lot. There is some technology out now that will recognize a gun or something that may look like a gun on a body in a can of CCTV system, and it will alert. But it's pretty expensive, and it's pretty new. It just came out last year, year before, I think. Uh, but you want to look at physical. Again, we're looking at slowing down, yeah. the assuming they're coming from the outside. Yeah. And, and, and real quick, dudes, why is that important? I mean, my understanding is the lo- even if you have a good relationship with local law enforcement, it still takes them time to re- to get the call and respond to the call. Is there an average? I mean, I, I think there's a wide range of averages depending yeah, upon the minutes probably is. I mean, in some minutes. How many minutes? Five to seven. Uh, five to, okay, five to seven minutes. <laughs> yeah, let's just say five minutes. Like best case scenario, if there's not an officer on site. Now, even if there's an officer on site, let's say you've got a large campus. Let's say you have a large two-story campus. You have yeah. a single SRO working that. What is the response time for that officer? And now I'm going to upset some law enforcement, and I'm sorry, some of my best friends are officers, but let's stop making school posts being an SRO, a retirement station. Mm. Old, fat, lazy. I'm telling you mm. right now, those are three things I don't want to come and save my kids. Yes. Yeah. 
let's look at not only just there was a study. It's been years ago. I think it was 2014, 2015. FBI did a study. 80% of law enforcement were obese. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's worse at this point. Not counting your tactical units. Talking about uh, investigations, street crimes, things like that. I mean, investigations, patrol officers, things like that. Specialized units tend to, to have a higher uh, physical preparedness uh, and training. But look at a lot of your... SRO posts, uh, your school resource officers, they are retirement guys, retirement age guys. And that's great. They love the kids. They're wonderful with them. But if you have to go up a flight of stairs and run 300 yards to get to a shooter, is that the person you want going? Probably yeah. not. You know? And so even, even on site, your response time, let's say it's three or four minutes. Yes. Yeah. Long time. Um, it's a long time. A lot of kids dying, you know, uh, yeah. and not just kids that are dying. Or kids or adults are dying immediately from gunfire. Uh, you have to look at what's going on after the fact. So even once you terminate the threat, you eliminate the shooter. You still have to go back and fall into that medical role. And because EMS isn't coming in, you still have a very hot scene. And yeah. EMS, unless you have tactical medics uh, in a lot of communities, don't. They're not coming in. They're staged outside in a green or even a yellow zone. They're not coming into that red zone. So people are still bleeding out. We saw it in Uvalde. Uh, Kids were dying. A little girl called, I think, 40-some-odd minutes after the attack started, called from her classroom, from the adjoining classroom from where the shooter was, begging the 911 dispatcher to send police because her friends were dying. There were still viable lives in there to be saved. And yeah. then the coward stayed at the end and they wouldn't go in for another 30-something minutes. You so, know, it, it seems to me that, like, just logic, right? I, you don't even have to be an expert in this area. Uh, it seems to me that we need trained personnel on site in multiple locations mm-hmm. so that we can respond efficiently and effectively because w- time is not our friend. You know, the, the longer this goes, the more damage is done. It seems to me that if I was in charge of the school security, I would have multi. Obviously, we would harden the target from a physical standpoint. But then from a personnel standpoint, you would have people able to respond to both the physical threat and also the ongoing medical problems that you're going to face mm-hmm. in various locations, especially on these big campuses where you've got multiple buildings and you could ha- you could have to travel quite a, a distance to help people. It just seems to me that th- there's some obvious things that we should be doing. So the, a lot of the schools have moved to the uh, Stop the Bleed program. We're Stop the Bleed affiliated. Uh, we generally do more of a TECC, similar to a TCCC uh, course. We try to do an eight-hour course because we want to get people more. We don't want to give them just two hours, three hours. We want to give them more, and we all want to run scenarios so they understand uh and they need to understand the March algorithm, you know, the massive bleeding, the airway, the respirations, what's going to kill them first based on evidence-based medicine and research, things we can prove. How do we need to take care of this? How do we need to prioritize it? Uh, some schools are doing well with that. The problem is they give them that, but then they don't give them the tools to fix it. They don't have blowout kits. They don't have IFACs in every classroom. Uh, you know, this, of course, this is in a case but we build IFACs and we have clients, we have parents that actually buy these and give them to their teachers now, not trying mm. to sell them to anybody. I don't care who you buy it from personally. 
got vacuum sealed. This has got two tourniquets. It's got uh, a double uh, chest seal. It has got a Oleus bandage. It has everything you could possibly need. Uh, it's amazing. Synthetic gauze, regular gauze, has everything you need to treat multiple patients. And honestly, they're, let's say, $140. And it has a five-year shelf life. Right. Well, and, and, and then you give them the training for how to use this equipment. I mean, that's the key, right? The key Every is to have one. Should have one. Every classroom exactly. should have one. Every classroom, because if I give you all the training, if I train you to be the best gunfighter in the world, but I don't give you any bullets, yeah. you've got a paperweight in your hand and it's useless. All that training is useless. If I yep. tell you how to stop the bleed, I give you all this training on tourniquets, yep. wound packing, chest seals, but I don't give you the tools to do it. Yeah. Then what the yeah, exactly. I mean, it's yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But, it costs, but that costs money, and that's where they don't want to go. They don't want to keep spending this money. It's not sports. It doesn't get votes. They don't want to do it. And this is where we all get a little crazy, right? Because we're spending so much money around the world, uh, which is it's hard to even justify. And we won't take small resources around the country to harden these targets and protect our kids. And I think that's what, you know, it, it feels like an America last agenda. It feels like we're sending all of this, these tax resources to help other regions of the world, which is just, that's a whole nother show. And oh, we do plenty on that, but. But yeah, it's, well, you know, active shooting training should not be a once a year, one and done. Um, yes. We do fire drills. We should yes. be doing, we, when was the last time a child died in a school fire? It was in the 50s. When was the last time a child died in a school shooting? Earlier this year. May. Why are That's we not doing more drills, making them more realistic? I'm not saying that we have to traumatize the children for anybody out there that's uh, going to psychoanalyze everything I've said. Yeah. <laughs> but there are ways to do this and to conduct it in a manner that it stays in the front of our mind. Uh, yes. It's the same thing with law enforcement. You know, Law enforcement trains once a year, maybe spend eight hours, maybe 16 hours. That's not their primary response. But the yeah. day you need that response, you better be on point. You better be Nashville PD and not Uvalde PD. Yeah, that's right. And, and yeah. the funny thing is, Uvalde is just trained through Alert, through one of the large uh, FBI recommended uh, federally funded training groups and, and alert does a lot of good stuff, but they're very cookie yeah. cutter. It's very uh, institutionalized. Um, you know, in the difference between companies like us, there's, there's a couple other companies that are really good at doing this also. Uh, yeah. Blue bearing is another one. Uh, Kyle's ex uh, Delta guy. He does a yeah. lot of active shooter work. Really, really good dude. Great stuff. Uh, yeah. And there's the point is there's other companies out there that specialize yeah. active shooter response close yes. quarter battle tactics and things like that for teachers and law enforcement. Yes. Um, you need to get good training. You need to do it more than once a year. We need to have drills more than once a year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because honestly your response under the stress, it's like we started the conversation with your response under stress changes. You, you get a little adrenaline going all of a sudden your decision-making is impaired. You have to be put in those situations more than once so that you know how you're going to respond and so you can start making better decisions. You know, let's, so we, 
you know, we know that we need to get on our schools, our administrators, our boards, our superintendents. We know that there's threat assessments that need to happen. Part of the frustration is that we're still depending upon our schools and our leaders in our schools to make the changes. And you know what? They're just not. In many, many cases, they're just not. What can parents, let's shift the, the responsibility back to the parents. One of the things I've told our parents for, for about two years now is you need to interview the school. So if you're making a choice of where to send your kid, for example, whether it's a charter school or a private school or a, or a, a, a parochial school, you need to go on the offense and interview the school as to what they do to protect your children. And the same is true of public schools. You should be having conversations, say, hey, what specifically do you do to protect our kids? How do you secure our facilities? What do you do? And gather as much information so that when you make a decision of where to send your kids, you're making the best decision. But let's take all that responsibility and put it back on the parents for a second. What can parents do to tactically prepare to mentally prepare their kids to enter the school environment and to be safer? Are there, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of things with body, uh, so to speak, body armors, uh, backpacks and things. What do you yep. recommend parents do to, to control what they can control when they send their kid to school? So the school aspect, obviously, yes. Go in there and ask the tough questions and ask the principal, ask the teachers during a teacher meeting, yep. a private meeting, hey, what is y'all's emergency action plan? What's y'all's EAP? I don't need complete details, but I want to know what are we doing or what is your plan if there's an active shooter that comes into this campus? How are you keeping little Johnny and little Susie safe? Because that's yeah. real important too. Yes. Um, and, and they should be able to tell you. And teachers will be more apt to either tell you or go, Man, we really don't work on this much. You'll yeah. read If they shudder and go, uh, well, uh, I promise you, ask them, what, do, what if there's a fire, what do you do? What well, we do, this, this, and this. So start there. You can kind of gauge what their response is going to be and how well your child's protected. Uh, we actually are a shot stop ballistics body armor dealer. Uh, we do a lot of the uh, law enforcement in this area, uh, in other states also. But we, as a matter of fact, I just set this out. Uh, we're starting to put these out for teachers. Um, it's a really inexpensive plate carrier. Uh, it has ballistic plates front and back. They're rifle rated. It's got pockets, throw tourniquets in there. Something that literally can be velcroed off and on. It can be put in a backpack. Nobody sees it. If there's a shooter, throw it on, velcro it, and get your kids safe. Uh, they're not cheap. Um, you know, they, they are expensive. Uh, it's relative. You know, there's a 15-year warranty on the plates. Uh, I guess it depends on what your life is worth. You know, if $800 over 15 years, that's not much money for an insurance policy. Some yeah. people it is though. Uh, the shot stop also makes the back play, uh, the backpack inserts. I don't, I've got one, but it's in the other room, uh, in the storeroom. Uh, my daughter was a cheerleader at university of Houston and she had one Nike sponsored them, gave them all their stuff. In every one of her backpacks, there was a ballistic sleeve in there. Uh, it goes in the laptop sleeve. It's very yes. thin. It is pistol rated. They do make rifle rated. They're pretty expensive. But she knew if there's a shooter and you're running away, put your backpack on your back. If the shooter's coming at you, flip it around, put it on your front. It yes. needs to buy them a little time. Uh, yes. The thing that we run into in the training school age kids, Jimmy, is depends on the age. So if you're looking at like kindergarten to a third or fourth grade, 
that's like herding cats. So yeah. we have to approach what we're looking to do with them uh, mm. differently compared to middle school, compared to high school. You know, high school, you may recruit some of those boys to help you defend the room if you're stuck in that lockdown. And that's a whole other thing. We don't believe in automatically going to a lockdown. Uh, I think that it's just, I think that they've put out such a linear progression. Uh, the whole yeah. run, hide, fight, which is pretty antiquated these days. Now it's def- avoid, avoid, deny, defend, alert puts out, uh, which is, that's not bad. Uh, what's your formula? Students, what's we, your formula? What do you recommend? We use move, evade, attack. And, and mm. there, we could go in deep into this, but basically what we're trying to do is when we say move, we're trying to do one of two things. If you're in the immediate vicinity of an attacker, that means move, get off the X. The X being, this is the dangerous spot. This is where I am going to die. I need to get out of here. Or move is, let me get my brain working because I just froze under fight, flight, or freeze. Most people are going to freeze. Move is to snap, get my brain moving. Uh, if you tell somebody to run and they run, uh, and I forgot who it was. Somebody had said this a while back in a, an interview I saw. If I tell you to run and you just run, are you running in the direction of the shooter or are you running away? Because I didn't tell you where the shooter was. I didn't tell you where to run. I said run. If you're just running blindly. That doesn't make sense to us. So you move with a purpose. It's it, Yes, it, it gets you out of you, the froze, that frozen moment. But you're trying to move with a purpose to either avoid something, an, an imminent danger, or to get to safe a safe place. So, you know, even with the newer alert, uh, avoid, deny, you know, deny entry, and then defend, it seems very linear. So we teach move, evade, attack. Move okay. is just get off the X or get your brain moving. Mm-hmm. It's going to disrupt your OODA loop. Get it back online. Make a decision, okay? Orient yourself. Observe and decide and act on that. Then the two major components of what we teach is evade and attack. And you can do either. Evade does not mean you have to hide. We're not telling you to hide or lock down. We say evade. Evade basically means to create time and distance. Um, I did an online uh, conference call with a teacher here in Texas uh, during the summer. And... Her school, she is 50 feet from an external door that goes into a big field. And actually, in the field, I would put an assembly area and put air medical LZs out in this field uh, if I did their EAP. They had never told them to try. If you can, go out there. So part of what we look at going back into our threat assessments is we look at what their EAP is. What's your emergency action plan and what's your communication yeah. There's schools out there that are still using this whole secret communication. The air condition is on. That means there's an active shooter. Mm. Wow. I want you to go on an all call. I want somebody on the CCTV monitor watching. You tell me where the shooter is, where he's moving to, and keep tracking, and you put it out. It doesn't matter to the shooter. He's out there shooting. He doesn't give it what you're saying. Yeah. But yeah. everybody else there, if you can tell me that he is in Hall B moving towards the cafeteria, and I'm in Hall A on this end. Guess what? I'm not going to lock down. I'm going to take my kids and I'm headed out the door. And I'm creating time and distance because we do not see shooters leave buildings chasing targets and engaging targets. All yep. the good guys are coming in. 
that's where it generally ends. If you can get out and you have good information from somebody that's watching and telling you this is where it's at, it's just like having eyes in the sky. It's like having a drone on a hop. You're getting, you're constantly knowing, hey, we've got a squirter out the back. We've got this person moving. We've got this coming in. One of, well, one of the things you're mentioning is you have to have that property gridded out, right? Like you you have to be communicating very specifically about locations on, on that campus so people know exactly what you're talking about. But you have to train it also so that when it happens and the teacher hears it, okay, I know what I need to do. Yes. So, so back to our evade. Evade may mean you need to get into your room, lock that thing down, and get ready. Yep. Now, when we come to that, what we're seeing is people aren't teaching, people aren't educating teachers on what it looks like for a bad guy to be outside your door and what does he see. So we take the basics of hallway movement, room clearing, um, and we, te- we reverse engineer that for the teacher. So we are showing them, teaching them angles and distance, the same thing we teach in basic CQB, but how to use that at their advantage. So if you have a door that opens from the right side and it opens this way, and it's a corner-fed door, and you have a small space behind the door, which you generally will, a little offset, you have a wall, and you have a long wall. Well, they're yes. putting hinges out here. Well, when I open the door, I've got a shooting gallery. Yeah. If you understand angles and distance, and we can pull a string line and show you if I stand at this door, I have to open it from this side physically. I'm the bad guy. When I open it, this is what I see. Uh, Those kids need to be in what we call a dead space or an unknown space, right? Yep. So we, we actually go in and we teach teachers how to read a room and how to use that for their advantage. Right? Uh, so when they do open that door, and then where's the best place to defend it? We'll have teachers that have an offset door like that. So basically, imagine the doors here. Uh, so here's the door. Yeah. It's on this side. The door opens outward. Uh, the latch is here. They open it up, and it's a corner-fed door. You've got a 12, 14-inch, 16-inch space here. They've got that cluttered with stuff in their classrooms. So what yeah. we tell them to do is clear that out. Clear that out. Take a piece of uh, take a scissors, anything like that, and put it high where the kids can't reach it. That's mm-hmm. where you're going to fight. Because when they open the door, you're going to grab those scissors and attack from right there. Wow. You're the only thing stopping them from getting in, right? Mm-hmm. They can't see anything. The kids are over here in the, the unknown or the dead space. So, yep. But people aren't teaching this. And I don't understand why. Because to, to us, that is just, if you understand tactics, you understand basic room clearing, you understand angles and distance, you understand dead space, known versus unknown. We should be teaching that. And I think that goes back to the the one-size-fits-all that uh, some of these government-funded companies uh, and agencies are out there doing. It's not yep. that they're doing bad, but they don't, they're not going in and saying, hey, let's go look at this room. Everywhere mm-hmm. we go, we'll have teachers go, come show me, come look at my room, I want to see something. We yep. take a teacher there, we walk in that room, we cram them in, and they go, what would you do? And we go, what would you do? And then we show them what we advise. And generally, there's going to be some furniture moved around. And they're like, nobody's ever told us this. Yes. So if we take tactics, basic tactics, we reverse engineer and we use that to give knowledge to the teachers, then they have a better chance. They increase survivability with their response because now they know 
if something happens and I cannot get out of this room, here's yeah. what I need to do. And I know what the shooter can see. I know where the door is opening. And I know where I have to be if something happens to save myself and these kids. Okay. So what I love about this, I mean, there's so many things. This it should be done. What I love about this is that it's you are empowering teachers in the classroom, not just be sitting ducks. And I mean, why do we want, you know, I know that some people don't have a stomach for this, right? They just can't believe they, here's the reality. They just can't believe that we're talking about this. There are some people like that. We're talking about having to protect kids in school. Yes. We're talking about having to protect kids in school. That's the reality we're facing. Let's just get over the fact that we have to do that and let's take responsibility for it. And like you said, do an assessment, put people in these situations and empower them to act. You know, as you said, I like you, I like your move, evade, attack much better than the others. I think that actually makes sense. It empowers people. It trains them. So um, we're going to get people in touch with you for sure, because there's so there's so many opportunities. So we just launched a uh, secure community community. So we've noticed that like Patreon and some things, there's some good guys out there. GBRS is out there. Uh, uh, There's a bunch of other guys that are out there on it and they're putting out some really good content. And so we started thinking about how can we do this for teachers? And so what we've done is we're beta testing. Now we just started it. Matter of fact, if anybody, you have teachers uh, that are interested, be more than happy, get them to contact with us. We're looking for a few more beta testers. Uh, it's right. free They'll have free for life access. Basically what it is, we run a background check. We do require that they submit their personal information. They do submit a ID that we can verify. We run uh, two background checks on them because the information we're going to be putting in this is, is for active shooting response. We don't want to get the wrong hands. Yeah. But what we're doing is we're going to be doing this stuff. We are going to be talking about case studies. We're going to talk about what can we do. We're going to talk about how do you read a room and how do you change a room. We're going to talk about angles, distance. We're going to talk about unknown known versus unknown spaces, dead spaces, things like that, medical. And each week we'll have a video, Q&As, and all that. Fantastic. Because a lot of school districts just won't spend money. Yeah. We have a resource to where you're a teacher and you can log in and you can go and you can start looking and you can ask a question and that question gets answered or you can go, man, I want to watch this video. There's a 15-minute video that's embedded and it says, Here's how to set up your room, and here's what you need to do. Amazing. And again, empowering those people, and we can reach a bigger, we can reach a lot more people. Uh, yes, yeah. there is going to be a cost eventually once we get it launched. It's minimal. Uh, but, yeah, so there, we're trying to create more resources. So it's not just a one and done right before school starts. They get minimal training, yes. and it's gotten about until we have an attack. And then it's a knee-jerk reaction, but nothing really happens. I love this. I love that you're going direct to the teachers because the <laughs> teachers, there are many, there are millions of teachers that, that want to know how to protect their classrooms. So I love that you're going direct. So it becomes independent of whatever the school district is doing to prepare them. The teachers can still be empowered. They can empower themselves through this. So we'll make sure we get that promoted. If there was one thing that you, or one or two things that you were to tell parents as they're trying to protect their kids, you know, as they're sending them off to school, if there was one or two things you would tell them, hey, these are practical things that you can do to help protect your children as you send them to school, what would you tell them? You know, again, it's, it's school aid, but, you know, you want them to listen to their teacher. You want them to stay calm. 
you want them to do what they're told uh, in, in hopes that the teacher has the right training and is able to do that. Um, you know, your younger kids, stay with your class, stay with your group, don't run off. Uh, as you get older and they have decision-making skills and you feel that they're mature enough, now a 10-year-old and a 14-year-old may be totally different. The 10-year-old be, may be well more mentally mature than the 14. That's up to the parents. But they need to understand the reality of this and that you don't need to always be in fear. Yeah. Okay. You need to follow your group. You need to follow your teacher. Um, if you taught a kid, hey, when you come in the door, and if a bad person's trying to come in, I don't care what anybody says. I want you to get in this part of the room. Show me what you, I've had friends go. Where do I tell my kid to go? Have them draw, draw me a picture of what their classroom looks like. I want to know the classroom, anything around the outer edge, where the door is, how it opens inside or out. It's all I need to know. What side the hinges on? And they send it to me, and I go, if they're here, you put them right here. I don't care what anybody else does. They need to be in this spot. Because that's the last person to shoot you're going to see. Right? Yeah. Don't just sit there with your hand over your head, um, dying a coward. I'm sorry. Just it's yeah. not the way we go. Uh, yeah. As you get older, then obviously you can give them more tools, and you can teach them, hey, here's how you use a tourniquet. Here's how you pack a wound. Here's how you put on a chest seal. Three things. Three minor things. A tourniquet, a chest seal, how to pack a wound. And those are very easy. You can look up. There's a thousand videos on uh, YouTube, North American Rescue uh, and Tactical Medical Solutions. They're the two biggest uh, companies that provide medical gear and medical supplies for law enforcement military. They're who we use with our kids. They have great video series out there for how to stop a bleed, how to put on a tourniquet, how to pack a wound and how and when to use a chest seal. You teach your kids that at an appropriate age, that's going to help. You know, because yeah. you're, you're not teaching them to help somebody else. You need to yeah. know how to help yourself. Yeah. You get shot in the arm, you get shot in the leg, you get shot in the stomach. What can I do to increase my survivability? Yeah. And I like what you've said, too, is we, we worry about, yes, there's age-appropriate education, right? Mm-hmm. There's age-appropriate preparation. So you have to understand the you know, the maturity of your children to know what you can tell them and when. Um, And that's true as a parent, regardless of the issue. But I think there's tremendous value to giving them tools and capability so that they can handle a situation. It actually gives them confidence and it makes them feel more capable. And I think that's what we're after, right? We're after preparing our kids to be capable and confident in these stressful situations. I think it actually helps them to, to be more confident as they go to school. Not not living in fear, but to be more confident. So many people don't want to talk about it. And we're still talking about fire drills, and we're having them. And like I said, I think the last fatality in a school was in the 50s from a school fire. Uh, let me tell you something about school fires. You're going to hear it. You're going to smell it. You're going to feel it. You have plenty of time. Yeah. I walk into our, if someone walks into the school with a gun, you don't have any of those. Yeah. Yet we still don't want to talk about it because it stirs up too many emotions. Well, it needs to stir up emotions, and it, it, that's a hard conversation. And sadly, as as a as people, we don't people don't want to have hard conversations anymore. That's yeah. a that's a rarity. They don't want to have it with their peers. They don't want to have it with their children. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. Well, 
evil's out there, and we can only do so much. I want kids to, we've actually done an active shooter response for children. Uh, there was a special request. Uh, there was a lot of liability, obviously some releases, a bunch of other stuff we had to leave we had to do. But we put on a school-aged active shooter response for children. And we taught them what to look for, what to do, where to go to, and basic medical. And, uh, and then we ran drills with them. Nothing that would be considered traumatic, nothing that was going to give them nightmares, but yep. just some basic drills. So if something happens, they're like, wait a minute, I understand what I need to do. And like you said, it empowered them when they left. They actually felt confident that, okay, if something happens, I'm at least aware of what's going on. Mom and dad, teacher, whoever, they're not just going, oh, it's okay, coddling them, saying nothing's going to happen. Something's yep. going to happen one day. Yeah. Uh, it's a small percentage. It's not going away. Um, yeah. and, and I don't think, I, I don't have the answer. It's not going to go away. And, and so we just have to prepare our children. We need to prepare our teachers. Yeah. Uh, and also we need to prepare our law enforcement. You know, yeah. uh, so again, quit making it a retirement station, guys. Like it's not, this is not a popularity contest. If I had my way, you'd have nothing but SWAT operators and X SF guys in there working. That solves the problem. Yeah. But, you know, when you mandate that, but then you give somebody an out by saying, well, if you don't have the funding, you don't yeah. have to. We'll give you a, a pass on this. Well, nobody's yeah. got the funding. School funding is tight, and I understand that. Yeah. But, you know, when you're spending $400,000 a year on athletics and you're spending barely anything on security and on yeah. training, there's a problem there. That's a yeah. big problem, right? Like, we've got our priorities way off security yeah. doesn't security doesn't buy votes and it's not the popular thing say why. Yes. exactly and i think i think that's a great spot to end uh, you know be prepared let's prepare our teachers let's prepare our students let's prepare our parents to understand and let's get people empowered to do something in the event that something goes wrong at their school so brian thanks so much man thanks for joining us we're gonna have all your contact information in the notes and we'll get people in touch with you for sure, especially for these threat assessments and to help us to harden yeah. these, these targets. Absolutely. I look forward to it. It was good talking to you. Thanks, my friend. Hi, bud.